1: Richard Serens, Strange Planet, following the truth wherever it leads, exposing evil and corruption, and the secret machinations of powerful elites, revealing the high strangeness beneath the surface of our supposed reality. Coming to you from the Great White North and his studio beneath the stairs. Here's Richard.
0: All right, we are. Uh, we're going to uh, discuss. The Great Reset, the the goals and aspirations of the World Economic Forum under Klaus Schwab. Uh, we'll also talk about uh, the uh, the headlong rush into a cashless society or a digital uh, digital currency, and how all of these things sort of intersect and relate to biblical prophecy, uh, end times prophecy the uh, the ultimate or the final arrival of the 11th king. Ali Siadatan is a good friend of the program and uh, he's a uh, documentary filmmaker, also the founder of Think Again Productions here in Canada, a multimedia teaching ministry, shedding light on mis- mysteries and treasures of scriptural knowledge, which is making the Bible more real than ever. Ali has found that evidence keeps agreeing with the Bible's tale from biblical cities peering through the sand to alien abductions and prophetic events. The website ThinkAgainProductions.com and uh, you can also screen his uh, documentary UFOs, Angels and Gods. Ali, welcome once again.
2: Thank you for having me, Richard. I'm looking forward to our conversation.
0: So um, let's first of all, let's, let's look at a kind of a, a, a big picture and when you see what's happening today uh as i mentioned um we have this great reset everyone is talking about uh we have um the world economic forum uh really pushing for um digital currency uh digital ids uh, many of these are being adopted, in, in, in a, at least in in incremental stages. Um, so, for example, in Israel, uh, they just passed a law banning cash purchases. Uh, I, I believe it's above seventeen hundred dollars. Yes. Um, Norway now ha, is uh, they want to track uh, basically how everyone spends their money. Um, yes. Sweden has introduced a carbon green like a carbon emissions credit card. It's voluntary. But once you've spent X number, you know, your limit on anything that has to, that has a carbon footprint, like red meat or gasoline, your credit card basically forbids you from making any more purchases. So we're seeing the, the early foundations of all of these things coming to fruition, a, dig, a digital currency and so forth. What um, yeah, do you make so. of that? This, this whole aspect of what you're describing
2: um you will have you'll own nothing and you'll be happy it's one of the sayings of this whole socialism you know the idea that you're describing which is the state knows best you know through its science through its, it's a big daddy it'll control everyone and lead everyone into nirvana um i would i would say the roots of this thing as far as i'm concerned come out of bavaria this particular picture you're painting Kind of continue. If you, where did this come from? It it really came out of the events of Bavaria, the two Babylons of hisset and and this conspiracy that supposedly was stopped because lightning hit this guy, as he was carrying the documents, but somehow it hasn't stopped. And from there we saw it spread to the French Revolution, kind of socialism, and to the Bolshevik Revolution, you know, in uh, in Russia, and then in the West it came through this. London School of Economics teaches it. it, it, it it's uh, George Bernard Shaw was one of its main inventors. This whole idea of Fabian socialism, which is the main socialism of of the West, that that can be practiced in the Congress and Senate and um, you know all British and Canadian uh, parliaments, um, and the Labour Party was created in England as an experiment too. And FDR was a, a Fabian socialist, and so there's definitely this overarching you know idea uh that, that that i would call secular socialism that comes i think from bavaria and it's kind of a thing what you're when you say
0: bavaria you're referring to adam weishaupt in the and the formation of the secret illuminati, society, the illuminati
2: yeah
0: the 1770 was it 1776
2: yeah yeah it was, it was it was the 18th century so that that whole story you know something really came you got the french revolution you got the bolshevik revolution you got the american republic which is different because the french republic was truly to be a secular republic by design it was not just against the king but against the catholic church and it came with a heavy ideology of paganism and um secularism which which over the centuries we began to realize it has components like for instance you can only believe in what you see, and you came from monkeys, that's this creation myth and in a world of chance. And science is your guiding principle as as, as these monkeys you we, we catalog and understand the world, and the scientists are also kind of our priests. And life really doesn't really have a meaning, and the state knows best. It, it, it's just weird. It's just random ideas kind of over the centuries put together from the age of enlightenment. And yeah, this this Carl Schwab and the World Economic Forum seemed to be crystallizing a lot of these ideas in a more serious implementation.
0: Right, except now, um, rather than, you know, this is some secret society uh, of individuals in Bavaria, and then later it spread, you know, in different parts of Europe, but really it was, uh, I mean, it, it had considerable influence, but uh, at a certain point, I guess, you know, the uh, the monarchs, uh, various countries kind of clamped down and, and shut it down, or or so we thought. Now, with the World Economic Forum, they have, you know, so much influence, and in, in Karl Schwab, or Klaus Schwab, rather, you know, brags about having infiltrated cabinets around the world, including here in Canada, where um, the deputy Prime Minister Chrystia Freeland is in fact on the board of directors and I believe also the former governor of the Bank of Canada, Mark Carney. Um, They have world banks, central banks, uh, and huge corporations and investment firms like BlackRock and Morgan Stanley and Goldman Sachs. So they they really now have the machine behind them.
2: Yeah, you don't get things connected like this together without some sort of a spiritual force behind it, because it's not easy to make everything align. But the spirit of it, at least on the surface, seems to be, let's put our minds together. Let's connect civilizations and societies and experts, so to speak, from different parts of the world. Um, And for some strange reason, it's a lot of, let's listen to this one man, you know, whose father was a Nazi. It's It's just a fact. And it's, it's, it's got a bit of a cultish feeling to it, but under his leadership, a space has been created where world leaders, uh, economic uh, leaders, the uh, corporate leaders, political leaders, leaders of all kinds can come together. It seems not only to share ideas, but to receive what is the enlightened way. And since they are now the enlightened, then they can now claims superiority over the population that doesn't have this enlightenment, this very advanced and refined view born of all these specialists and and their great education. And so it can give itself the, 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 the right to lead everyone without consent and to make plans and to lead the society towards those plans. And the fact that our politicians go there, I think the way they see it is, is a continuation of their university education. That this is this is smart. That There's a lot of smart people here. I'm going to learn something and I'm going to understand because imagine suddenly you are elected to political office and I imagine sometimes you might run out of ideas, run out of a vision, run out of what is the right way? How do I deal with inflation? Or how do I do this? Or how do I do that? And it's comforting to know that there's an assembly of experts, it seems, in this well-respected, globally attended organization that will guide you into the more enlightened and right way. So it's it's very naturally infiltrating and creating worldview and direction uh, for all the governments that adhere, and it seems that most governments do adhere to it. So it's very interesting.
0: Well, and as we'll discuss later in this hour, uh, you know, as to, you know, where is this headed and how does it connect with uh, end times prophecy and um you know the the rise of the ten kings and ultimately the eleventh king and you know we know who that is. So right. and yet if if that's what this this great reset ultimately is about, you know, leading to the the Antichrist and so forth, um people might say, but but their objectives seem so noble. They want they want equity. They want Fairness they want what they call this new thing, stakeholder capitalism, so that right. that corporations don 't just work for the benefit of the rich and the shareholders, they work for everyone in the community. Who could argue with that
2: yeah um, the the whole idea of the euphoria utopia of Marxism we already know that that doesn 't work. We already know that the ideas of Karl Marx um, they don 't actually manifest that that communism of in all of its shapes in in the Deep uh, East and in Russia, uh, were not at all to the service of people. And um, they took away the sense of creativity, um, uh, entrepreneurship, human rights, um, all the things that a free society, you know, uses to build itself. And this is the same, it comes with these promises uh, of leading us Uh, But it's really about control Uh, and once uh, the control is achieved, then it's about brainwashing and letting people think that, you know, they are living in a utopia. Anyone that wants to give us utopia will offer freedom and liberty and will offer creativity and ingenuity would simply, you know, pressure people to live in a civil way with each other Um, and to make sure that law and order exists and people's rights are respected and upheld. That system uh, is would, would sound more like something that would bring the culture to these to these places that you're describing. Usually, this way of from the top trying to create an ideal society. I mean, that's what the Iranian revolution was about—to bring an ideal Islamic society into place. Or many of the Marxist and communist or Maoist uh, uh, revolution bring in that kind of an ideal to the people of China. But it brought brutality and death and misery. Uh, and it wasn't until China began to open itself up and change that it actually started to evolve from out of that stage. So, so we know from experience, looking at Marxism as all its forms, that it never leads to those ideals because it doesn't respect certain real qualities about the human condition. And it certainly doesn't take into consideration the, the, the frailty of the human condition and the fact that we are fundamentally flawed. And it's really not the systems that are the problem, but in some ways, we are our passions, our greed,s our fears. Uh, who we are, in some ways, also is, is something that none of these systems can remedy.
0: So it's a false promise of utopia. Uh, there's also there has been this progression uh, towards this dystopian uh, state that they're offering. They. You know, they're, they're describing it as utopian, but ultimately we know it's dystopian. Right. Uh, there is this progression, almost this gradual ratcheting up, uh, and it is spurred along by some type of major cataclysmic event in history. Uh, so, you know, after the Second World War, we had, you know, the, the introduction of the present monetary system, and then uh, we had... Um, you know, jumping ahead, we had, uh, 9-11, uh, which brought in, you know, further, um, I guess, solidification of the national security state and the national surveillance state. And then of course, COVID and, um, which brought in, you know, a, a whole set of, um, regimes and, and, uh, responses and, and, uh, Further impetus to you know the digital ID for for travel and so forth, uh, I think and now climate change
2: yes, and climate
0: change for sure.
2: So, this idea of out of chaos comes order at chaos or the room. This idea where you create chaos, and you present yourself a solution. I mean, that's that's the f- ABC of conspiracies. Uh, it's a very uh old way of doing things. Um, I think that there is a certain sense of a relaxed approach to partly implementing things into the culture that play itself out and presenting itself as a solution, partly riding what opportunity provides. Um, so you're, you have systems in place, you have a worldview that you're pushing over the course of centuries through the school system, through the university system, and then through the people that come to work in the world in which you now have formed them through that education to be pawns, whether it's journalists, whether it's government employees, whether it's uh, United Nations employees, you're just suddenly in a worldview in which you have been instructed. There's a way you understand things, and you're inside of a system, you're just a cog that does a function, and now things occur in the world. There are wars, there are economic collapses, uh, there are pandemics, and now you're ready to utilize it. Uh, and some of it, of course, you can also cause. It's a combination of opportunity and intent, but you've definitely put the system there uh, to to utilize it. And what is the purpose of this system? Um, it is the an ideological form of government that 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 you know. Obviously, the people who are at the top of this food chain have beliefs. They have religious beliefs essentially, and they they feel compelled that they need to. Um, implement them on uh, in the human world it's it's as strange as it may seem that is the conclusion where the breadcrumbs take you once you realize how organized it is how dedicated they are and how it unfolds over the course of
0: centuries right um now um a non-religious person might say, well, this is just the natural progression of human consciousness and human development and human evolution. Um, uh, a religious person, a Christian who believes in in the Bible and in end times prophecy and the second coming and so forth, uh, you know, would say that no, this is this is the the these are the machinations of the Antichrist, and he's taking us to this final world kingdom what do you say to the i guess the materialists who say no this is just human evolution this is human consciousness this is how we evolve as societies well i I mean there's so many things i
2: could say like the birth of empire and civilization in mesopotamia the writings that we have from the first empire shows that it was something that was handed down to them it says that you know the gods chose these people to become their kings and priests they gave them advanced knowledge to build giant temples and then they gave them laws uh, like the code of Hammurabi uh, from the sun god Apollo. And this is the story of all the civilizations that they received some sort of a code, heavenly code that began them. This is just history. Now, you can say, well, I don't believe it. Somebody just came up with these things, but they're too complex. Um, And the words of these people that changed the world, like the words of Jesus, changed the Roman Empire. Uh, the worlds, the words of Muhammad, or the words of Moses, or the Hindu writings—they—they they all, you know, formed entire civilizations. That's just the facts of history, and they're very complex. Um, yes, there has always been empires, but empires began, it seems, because of this—some sort of a connection, some sort of a revelation. Be- before that, human society was organized in patriarchies, in family clans. The whole concept of empire is born, it seems of the desire uh uh, to to control coming from one could argue who are these beings that seek to implement empire and have a representative why would they start this in the south of mesopotamia and is this really real the gods of rome and uh the power behind the emperor and and what we're talking about today the idea that there is a hand behind this what hand would have such a desire and why would it be doing this um the only thing that makes sense is, 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 is if the whole story of the Bible is true. If really we humans are in fact um, part of a much larger story. We were born uh, as part of a world of God and angels and our history is marked by this interaction. And these empires um, uh, are not natural empires. Uh, they have spiritual forces behind them because we are fundamentally in a spiritual story. Now, if a person might say, well, I don't really buy into all of this. I just, I just think it's humans that do these human things. Um, that's fine. But he is still in that story. He will still see these prophecies come true, as they always do. And, and he will see that you know, even God himself will, will, will intervene on the stage of history because um, these events are not born simply of, of, of the natural human world. They are born of a will to control and dominate the human world. And we can't really be rescued from it without this exterior intervention. And I think that's what the UFO phenomenon is about. And I would point to that as well. And I would say, is this not the empirical evidence of this angelic presence and of this larger story that the Bible points to? So I'd say there's archaeology, there's prophecy that is fulfilled. Uh, There is evidence of the things of the Bible. And the story makes sense, and history moves in the direction of it. So all of these things are compelling
0: evidence to the reasonable mind. Ali C. Think Again Productions. productions ThinkAgainProductions.com All right, so when we come back, let's talk about uh, if we are headed towards perhaps this this final empire to be ruled over by the ten kings and then ultimately the eleventh king. Where is the, the, I guess, the scriptural uh, evidence for that. We'll be back, more of our discussion in just a few minutes. Stay with us.
1: Welcome back, Welcome back. to Richard Serrett's Strange Planet.
0: We're back with Ali Siadatan from Think Again Productions, documentary filmmaker. We're talking about The Great Reset, the WEF, uh, and how that connects with uh, end times prophecy. So um, we often talk about the book of Daniel when we're yes. talking about the, the end times. Uh, what's it, Does Daniel differ from the other prophets in terms of sort of laying out what's ahead of us? Um, yeah, it does. Uh, it doesn't differ to lay what's ahead of us, but
2: it has a very significant difference, especially clear in the Hebrew canon. So in the Hebrew canon of the Old Testament, all the prophets are in one section called Neveim, which is with the historical books, because God says and God does on the stage of history. So they're put together. And the first five books of the book is Moses, Torah, and then there is the historical and prophetic books. This is called Neveim. And then there's the third section called Writings Ketuvim which is has things like wisdom literature like the Proverbs of Solomon the Psalms right. of David the Book of Lamentation Esther these scrolls scrolls that stand out Ruth and also the prophetic book of Daniel the only prophetic book that's not with the other prophecies or with the other books of prophets um why because the other books all of them it came to my attention Seem to tell about the future history of Israel, and they paint a positive picture of the future: a redemption, God's intervention, uh, the earth returning to the to the Garden of Eden, and an age of peace being ushered in um, by the Messiah of Israel. And and so it's it's a very positive picture that the prophets of Israel paint. There is a moment of conflict that corresponds to the transition between the age of empire and this utopia of God. But that's mentioned you know, here and there briefly, but the focus is on the redemption and restoration of Israel and of the planet. The book of Daniel is very different. The book of Daniel is the only book that doesn't tell the story of Israel. It tells the story of the Gentile empires. It's distinct in that. And it's written, only the first and last chapter are written in Hebrew. The whole book is written in Aramaic, which was the international language of politics at the time of Daniel, the language of empire. So it's the book of the empires of the Gentiles is written to them in this language of their you know, international uh, relations uh, at the time of Daniel and delivered in that sense to the king of Babylon, who is the first person who really receives the message and his vision, his dream that Daniel te- interprets for him has in it all that the book of Daniel is ever going to talk about those empires, it's as though the rest of the book of that Daniel is a horizontal version of the vertical statue of, this, of the beginning of the book and so he goes through it and so it's different in that sense, it tells the story of empire, the empire of Gentiles instead of the story of Israel. And so it takes us into this final world empire because it tells us something very important about God. It says he changes times and seasons. He removes kings and installs kings. So it it attributes the rise and fall of empires and the coming and going of kings to the will of God. God is the king of kings. God is deciding... Even the Gentile empires of history will be decided by God's timing and will be under God's authority. And then it proceeds to point out four empires to us. Of all the different kingdoms and powers that have existed in history, it suddenly pulls four out of the pages of history out for us. The Babylonian one of Nebuchadnezzar the king, the Medo-Persians, the Greek and the Romans... And what happens to Rome is that Rome scatters into many small heads. Um, when it attacks Jerusalem and destroys the temple in the ninth of the month of Av, which is coming up, and uh, which is interesting that the Romans and the Babylonians, centuries apart, destroyed the temple on the same day of the Hebrew calendar. All of the you know these events turned and turned to make history coincidence, people say, but yet, is it coincidence? So this is always there's always this evidence of you know design in the movement of history and it seems that in return god you know responded by sending his spirit to to the roman empire and and changed the roman empire in that way and also scattered and broke the roman empire into pieces the way that the roman empire scattered the jewish people and broke the temple into pieces Um, because God had said that he would bless those who bless Abraham and curse those who curse Abraham. So the reverse occurred, and then it scattered. But it always maintained the symbol of the eagle, which was a symbol of Zeus, of Jupiter, its God. It always kept that symbol in all its flags. And so the Western Rome, you know, divided into all of these, the Holy uh, uh, Roman Empire of Charlemagne, um, the Portuguese, the Spanish, Napoleon, the British... ...reaching out from the isle and having all these heads, you know, but the symbol of the eagle carries on, even the German Nazis used it. And in in the east, when Constantinopolis, the center of eastern Rome, fell to the Ottomans in 1453, the prince escaped to Moscow, and the leaders of Russia said that they will take on the burden of Rome, and they will be the third Rome, that's what they called themselves... And and they, they will you know be the heralds of Rome and of Christianity. And so they took the name Tsar at that point, which means Caesar in Slavic, the way that German says Kaiser. And they took the double headed eagle of Byzantium of Constantinopolis as their symbol, which is still on their shields. So all the way from Moscow through the European capitals into DC, we see that Rome flourished and continued and the Renaissance, you know, brought all the knowledge of antiquity forward. Even the Senate, even the architecture of the Capitol is on purpose designed around a Roman temple, according to Thomas Jefferson's desires, who happened to also be a mason, and that's why he chose that July Fourth, you know, the very middle of the year, you know, the day of illumination. And so uh, he may have also been a Christian like that. He may have had many different ideas go through his head. So the Rome continues. And continues to rule, the fourth empire never stops ruling, but it gets divided into all of these heads. And so now that Jerusalem is reunited under Jewish rule since 1967, now that we have come to the end of history in the time of the judgment of the empires, God may allow Rome to unite again, and this is what the coalition of the 10 kings may be about the final, the, re, the re-emergence of, of the Roman Empire. Uh, and and that's what really Bible prophecy points to, that there will be a final empire um, uh, 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 that will contend with God himself. But it really, it's in the days of this empire that God will usher in his own kingdom. This is what you know the book of Daniel, the book of Revelation, uh, really point. And the reason you kind of see how the book of Daniel may be Relevant to this conversation is because it tells the story of the age of empire, and so it really sheds a lot of light on the parts of the book of Revelation that are also meditating. In the language of symbols like the dream of the king. Nebuchadnezzar in Daniel chapter two, which was in the language of symbols God spoke about the age of empire in the book of Revelation too. God speaks in the language of symbols about empire, but he gives us more clues about the things that Daniel spoke about.
0: So, why would God allow this to happen? I mean, this particular, if we're heading towards this, you know, final empire, um, this one is, again, um, I would say, highlighted by, uh, you know, a loss of sovereignty Individual freedom, loss of rights, uh, even uh, we've got the transhumanist movement that's also involved. That seems to be in, wrapped up in all of this. Why is God allowing all of these dystopian things to befall mankind? We just we just have about a minute and a half here, and then we'll pick this up on in the next segment. But let's begin the discussion.
2: I think these are the birth pangs uh, of of a new age of history, and humanity is forged and formed by how it relates to God. Each individual is formed by their relationship to God, and humanity as a whole is forced by its relationship to God for the destiny that awaits it, because the earth is the birthplace of the immortal sons of God, who have a role to play in the future of the cosmos. And these are the mechanisms of the training, of the forming, and of the birth of these characters, but it's safe, because God is in control and sits on the throne, he, it's all really tightly in his hands. He sets the limits of things. It is safe. So I would say it is the school of good and evil. It is the place of birth of an entire race that has a destiny. And this is the struggle that shapes it, that forms it, that informs it, that tests it. And, uh, and it's, it's done in a kind of a safe
0: playground. Uh, well, interesting, uh, safe. Although, I mean, it's gonna be a rough ride uh, for, <laughs> yes, that's for sure. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll pick up on that uh, okay. right, on the other side. Alley, C out of 10, Think Again Productions. Back with more in a moment. Stay with us.
1: Grand Canyon University's RN to BSN online degree program makes earning your bachelor's in nursing possible. Balance online coursework with local in-person clinicals to position yourself for potential leadership opportunities in the time you have from wherever you are, leaving room for what matters. Achieve your goals with your personalized plan and team behind you. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit GCU.edu. Welcome back. Welcome back to Richard Saret's Strange Planet.
0: Ali Siadatan, Think Again Productions, UFOs, Angels, and Gods is uh, the documentary. Uh, what else is going on on the website? At uh, well, people
2: can if they're interested. Com. I'm doing an audio series on the Book of Revelation in my Patreon page, Patreon.com/slash Think Again Productions, and you know you can you can kind of sign up for that and just listen to the chapter by chapter study. I'm really enjoying creating it and researching it. It's fascinating. And there's a lot that we can understand. And I think that to, to your question, you know, it's a rough ride. Um, I think that God equips his people and fortifies his people spiritually inside. And also I think that this knowledge is comforting to understand that as you go through it, you realize, I see. So there's this empire, there's this, you know, world leader and, and it's it's going to get very crazy if what the Bible says is going to happen. It's going to be demonic. It's going to be, Fallen angels are going to come out of the ground. It's going to be something that we haven't seen since the days of Noah. But apparently, you know, Noah went through the flood. The friends of Daniel stood in a burning furnace and survived. And there are many such tales of God, his power being in the midst of people's sufferings, comforting people spiritually through supernatural edification and power from within. And, and also informing the worldview in a way that sees the events in a different way. Uh, like Joseph said to his brothers, you intended it for evil, but God for good. I know they put him through, through hell, but yet he came out as the Pharaoh of Egypt, or as, as the second in command, and saved the world from famine. In the book of Job, w- which is a study of human suffering, we see that God is in complete control and places the limits of what Satan can do. To Job, so God is in control of this empire of these fallen angels of their their chosen leader, the, God is setting limits, like in the book of Job. God doesn't give Job more than he can take, so I, I assume that's true for each one of us. And, and in the midst of his suffering, he receives great visions and revelations. And finally, as he goes through the ordeal, and, and it seems safely and successfully he comes out far more blessed at the other end than than the life he had before which was already very blessed so we, these we, things we tell us that, that, that yes it's a rough ride but god is in charge
0: okay but we're you know in, we're talking now we're we're hearing rumblings about massive disruptions to the food supply which have already begun possible food shortages um, you know in some of the, the more darker scenarios we're hearing about things like you know internment camps for the non-compliant we're we're talking we're hearing right. about, you know um social credit scores so that all of your every purchase you make will have to be sort of approved
2: horrible i i think that, that they're going to have a much harder time that's why to your point that there's crises needed and the environment is really being pumped up as as a big next one. It has to be global It has to be big, it has to be scary. And we have to want to comply because this is how we feel safe. So I think that it's not as easy to implement all of these ideas. I think that we're seeing uh, where they want to take it. I think that we have a say, I think we can fight back. I think there's people who talk about it openly and those who don't but they, they agree that okay, I don't really want this. And so I don't think it's as easy because there's two sides to the story, and we have a will, and they have to control humans. I mean, I, I have a hard time controlling my dog sometimes when I go for a walk, or my kids. Like, it's not so easy to just control humans. So, so I think that we have we have a fight to fight. Well, that yeah, that's and, and we can mitigate these things.
0: Mitigate these things. Okay, we're heading into a break, but when we come back, I mean, yeah, if if as you say, sometimes God uses these things. Satan uses them for evil, God uses them for good. Uh, are these things that are coming, I mean, do do we fight back? Or do we just accept them as part of God's plan? I mean, isn't... Well, isn't what do you all- want to be the testimony
2: of our generation? That we fought back, or, or at least even pointed to it in the context of the prophetic word, Or that we just said nothing and no reflection on it and no action on it. Obviously, we want to reflect on it in the context of prophecy and we want to act because things happen through action. Um, I think that's all okay. What I think the Bible prophecies point to, this
0: nightmarish scenario. So when we look at the Great Reset and all of these disruptions to the food supply, war in Ukraine, rampant inflation, where is this all headed?
2: as far as the world system is concerned, is an economic collapse perhaps, because in order to bring create a new system, you have to collapse the old one. So I think that moving to 2030, that's the 100th year anniversary of the Great Depression. And there is a cycle, an economic cycle, a very important one, that is measured in 75 to 100 year cycles. It's called the long-term debt cycle. And if it does come to its apex in nineteen in 2029, then we will enter into a great depression once again and that really is the kind of economic uh, world out of which fascism rises that people look for strong leaders to rescue them and and so i think that's that's when we might see the rise of the ten kings in the 30s and if there's a war between let's say this this iran islamic republic you know and, and its desire to attack israel and now this connection with Russia that may be, you know, this idea of humiliating Russia or, push, or secluding it or, or this this can backfire. You know, the, you can make a man angry to the point where he wants to do more. And then he might press, you know, uh, suddenly be haunted by the spirit that wishes to press against Jerusalem. Because there is a prophecy of a war never happened that involves Iran and other countries mentioned. Some believe Russia is involved in that. So if these things happen in the late 20s and there's economic weakness then yes we could see that in the 2030s kind of like the 1930s the rise of fascism and then out of that fascism a, a new furor you know coming out um so these are kind of the 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 next things we should look for the rise of the of a coalition of 10 nations of kings um Israel signing a treaty with the nations of the world and and with, with, with her Islamic neighbors, possibly, you know, wars of huge magnitude that involve the destruction of the Sea of Damascus and, you know, God forbid, of course, I don't want any city to be destroyed, but I'm just repeating the things of the prophetic picture paints and and and, and a great regional war that I think might usher in the need for a world leader and the need for world peace and the need for... A, 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 an agreement with Israel um, so so these are I think, some of the things we should look for um, and yet have a fluid mind as God continues to educate us uh, uh, as we go forward uh, but definitely the big landmark on the world stage is the rise of this final world leader the famous antichrist and yes the Bible says a tremendous huge amount of stuff about this guy and he is a cult leader and he is uh, you know, demonically hooked up and he is going to try to deceive the whole world and even rally the world against God. It's all real. I mean, it's incredible. And that's why I think the UFO phenomenon is so compelling because it could be kind of the evidence of this angelic dimension to our tale. Israel has returned. Jerusalem is again part of the Jewish Commonwealth. The angels of God and, and of the enemy are, are are aligning over our heads. The empires of the world are regathering. The eagles are reuniting. And if if you know Russia has hooked, let's say, into Iran, uh, America into the Sunni world, these more modern empires of Greece and Rome seems to hook into the old Persian Empire and Mesopotamian Empire and the Egyptian Empire, and and kind of form a whole, as though the whole statue comes together under the rule of ten leaders, and that will hold back the kings of the East, like you know India and China. And China is having massive economic problems right now. It's credit system is on the verge of collapse because of the real estate that's collapsing there it's it's in a, in a deleveraging cycle which is like the great depression and it's basically they call the lost decade china has just entered into the lost decade in its economic cycle it's out for a while so so the west has time to kind of build and and if this coalition does come together because because of of the future rise of china and russia may come back into the fold and join the other eagles and connect to the older empires of Persia and Mesopotamia. And if all of that forms a whole, um, then definitely it'll be much stronger than anything come from the East. I think the forming of this empire of the 10 Kings is the next thing on the stage of history. Perhaps the Magog invasion of Ezekiel 38, 39, we'll see if that happens by the end of this decade with the rise of Iran and Russia and their allies uh, in the Islamic world um, and what you're saying, you know, this whole idea of 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 the jihad against Israel that we're witnessing right now with all the missiles, if this, you know, comes to a final head, that's another thing we should be looking for. Ultimately, uh, spiritual awakening within the Jewish people will continue. And also among all people, I mean, the return of Israel has been a blessing to everyone as the land has come back to life so the people that believe in Christ all around the world have come into massive new revelation in the past you know 70 years our understanding of the bible continues to get revolutionized like never before and it really seems to be there's an echo of of the blessing that has returned to this land and to and to the the fulfillment of prophecies happening before our eyes and and those who are grafted in the spiritual family, the spiritual children of Abraham are also being suddenly rejuvenated. And I think this is preparing us. One of the symbols of the age of Antiochus Epiphanes is the candlestick, the, the menorah, you know, and, and it's the Hanukkah season. And so it's it's when does the, the light shine strongest, when the darkness rises, the, the light becomes all the brighter, so I think it's kind of preparing us. So there's a spiritual birth happening around the world as people study these things and they're called by God. And I mean, the whole Muslim world is going through a huge spiritual revival of people coming to know Jesus. China, massive revival. Africa, uh, we've seen that for, for quite some time. So there's really this this harvest that's rising and perhaps their evil will even be again a harvest from the West. So, so I'm seeing a time of spiritual Revival, uh, and yet the, warm, the forming of fake world religion. I'm seeing the time that leads us to, to, to a utopia, and yet the rise and judgment of Eva, evil empire, and, and, and something dark that needs to be cleansed, coming to the surface and then being removed. So I think this is the kinds of times we're living in, and we're perfectly designed for it. Uh, and God will lead us through it. We we can just, in that sense, take a deep breath. I'm not saying it will be comfortable, like you were saying, but maybe we, we have grown very soft in our cushy, cushy, you know.
0: That's, that's so true. Well, it's very, it's comforting to hear you say that uh, we were, we are designed for this. Uh, we're about to have our metal tested like never before. Uh, there's another expression, you know, uh, uh, God. Uh, will either lighten your load or strengthen your back? So
2: right, no, that's true. The, he does support us from inside. The um, this really is a time where people want to come to know God and to 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 make that connection for themselves in their private lives, so that they can have the strength, the light, the truth, the way, the benefits, the blessing that comes from knowing Jesus, and knowing Him as the King of your life. He's the, he has. He's a real character. Of history and and what the book of Daniel reveals about him, and I'll just read this um, prophecy that Daniel saw that the Son of man he says, "I was watching in the night visions, behold one like a son of man coming with the clouds of heaven, he approached the ancient of days and was brought into his presence, dominion, glory, and sovereignty were given to him, that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him." His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will never pass away, and His kingdom is one that will not be destroyed. Jesus ascended into a white cloud and th- and left the earth to fulfill this prophecy of Daniel's, this vision He had uh, five hundred years before, and this is the reality of our planet. He is the King. He has received the throne over israel and over all the nations and he's returning with an army to the earth to rid us of all of this thing that we're seeing in the ufo phenomenon the empires and the and the dark societies and their leaders and their weird plan to rule to control to um uh, brainwash to implement their own religion and science and to and to compete with god's plans for the human race he's coming to remove all of these things and we need that intervention so Making that connection, pledging that allegiance, I think, is key to everyone's peace and security in their own personal lives and for the lives of their family. Uh, It's a real story, and we're in it.
0: Ali Siadatan, thinkagainproductions.com and patreon.com slash thinkagainproductions. Ali, always a pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank
2: you for having me, Richard.
1: A new Richard A Strange Planet drops every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday.